This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you're here. I started self-work about four years ago, a little more than four years now, because I wanted to try to dispel some of the stigma around mental illness treatment, wanting to reach out to those of you who might already be very comfortable with these kinds of issues. Maybe you're in therapy, but to also some of you who might have just been diagnosed and you're really kind of scared and not knowing what to do and you're looking for answers but also to those of you who might believe I'd never darken the door of a therapist, and yet you're just curious enough to want to listen to a podcast like Self Work. Oprah Winfrey has said, The key to realizing a dream is to focus not on success, but significance. And then even the small steps and little victories along your path will take on greater meaning. She's, of course, talking about dreams for your future, meaning things that you can visualize happening or... Maybe even dreams for your present, as in this is a dream come true, or of course, more tragically, this is a living nightmare, because we use these terms, dreams and nightmares, to convey the things we're thrilled about, but also things that have to be tragically lived through. So today we're going to talk about the dreaming as in the kind you have when you're sleeping, and the title of it is What Dreams Are Made Of. Whether or not you believe that dreams have meaning, and almost half of Americans think that's true. Or if you don't believe that, you probably have had many types of dreams. Some people do say, oh, I don't dream, but actually everyone does. There's a stage of sleep where you're dreaming that's called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. You do most of your dreaming during REM, but your brain actually paralyzes your muscles so you don't act out the dreams. During sleep, a person usually progresses through the three stages of non-REM sleep before entering REM. So today... In this episode sponsored by BetterHelp, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the diverse categories of dreams that there are, and then the proposed meaning of some kinds of dreams. The latter topic is one that some say lack research to back it up, but early psychiatrists like Freud and Jung certainly believed and espoused that dreams had unconscious meanings, that they are created by a part of our mind that lives in the background of our consciousness, but influences and guides us. So today, we'll talk about nine or ten categories of dreams and then travel into the land of what dreams may mean. Maybe for fun or maybe for those of you who've had a strong relationship with your dreams for more of a very serious look at them. And by the way, if you've ever been hypnotized like I have, you're a firm believer in the power of the unconscious mind because that's what takes over. One of these days, I'll tell you that story when I do a podcast on hypnosis. <laughs> Soon to come. Our listener email today is from a young woman who suffered multiple traumas in her life. She's had sexual abuse, and her mother actually died right in front of her. Terrible things. And she wonders if she can heal, how to heal, and if she can have hope. So today, I'm so glad you're here. Let's sit back and talk about dreaming. Again today, we're going to be talking about dreaming, the kind you do in your sleep. And I thought it'd be so interesting because I hear people talk about their dreams all the time. 
to me and to others. Let's talk first about the categories of dreams. Now, I'm taking a lot of this from a Psychology Today article, or at least I'm taking the categories for an author named Preston Nye, N-I or Nye, Preston Nye. He's written a bunch of books, one that I have in your show notes, which is on actually a certain kind of dreaming. So I'll add my two cents in after I use his particular way of categorization. Okay. First, he says there are current recent event dreams. Now, I've heard this called day residue dreams when I was in grad school. It's one of the most common kinds of dreams where you dream about things that occurred during the past 24 to 48 hours. They may or may not be literal repetitions of what happened during the day, but they obviously have some kind of basis in your real life. I mean, if you took your dog to the vet, for example, then you might dream about dogs, or you might dream about your dog, or you might dream about your vet, or you might dream about something about going to an office, something about shots, whatever happened, you might dream about it in some literal or not so literal way. Day residue dreams. Number two, he calls metaphorical or symbolic dreams. If you want to talk about these kind of dreams, then you first have to believe that dreams have deeper meaning. But if you do, then if you dream about getting lost on a trail, maybe it could mean that you need to ask for help, or it could be symbolizing you feeling very alone and confused. Dream interpretation is very unique to everyone. If someone I'm seeing is telling me their dream, I always first ask, what do you think it might be about? Because my own associations to it don't really matter. Carl Jung, for example, who was that colleague of Freud's, an early psychiatrist who really developed a whole method of therapy, believed that every part of a dream actually symbolized a part of you, and whatever struggle was going on in the dream is actually an internal struggle for you. So, if your dad in your dream is mad at you and yelling, you might say that there's a part of you which your dad most readily represents that's in conflict with another part, or there's a struggle with authority perhaps inside of you. The interpretations are endless, but can be fascinating at times to sit with and see what comes up for you. I think this is a very helpful way to think about dreams. For example, say you dream about an ex-wife or an ex-boyfriend. I've had people come in so upset, almost feeling like they've been cheating or shouldn't do that. Well, what if your mind is simply choosing that person as a symbol of something? Maybe an ex is really a symbol of your youth. Or if the relationship was hurtful, they can stand in for a feeling of threat. If there's a threatening figure in your dream, then your mind might choose that person to represent threat. I actually love this quote from Dr. Kelly, and I'm going to probably crucify his last name, Bull Kelly, in an article in Psych Today. He's talking about understanding the power of metaphorical dreaming or metaphors. Metaphorical thinking is a valuable strength of our species, giving us tremendous flexibility in creative problem-solving when faced with unforeseen challenges. For instance, when a large and dangerous hurricane forms offshore, meteorologists and public safety officials use strong metaphors to communicate the level of risk to the public. They describe the storm as a monster with a gaping eye that threatens to crawl inland and deliver vicious destruction. They use something easily understandable, the fear of being attacked by an aggressive monster, to help people understand something perhaps they don't yet grasp, the danger of the approaching storm. So this is precisely what happens so often in dreaming, when the unconscious mind spins out an endless variety of metaphorical images. 
He says, dreams do this to promote our psychological health as a way of integrating our emotional experiences and weaving them into a meaningful whole. Again, I will have that link in the show notes. So back to our categorization. Then there's what's called fantasy or comfort dreams. This is one where you dream about something from the past or the present that you find very comforting or that almost immediately relieves stress. When I do hypnosis, for example, I'll often suggest that people visualize a place where they feel very safe. And your dreams can be about a place, a beloved person, or simply seeing yourself happy or rested. Those are comfort dreams. Here's number four, creative or problem-solving dreams. Now again, for this one, you have to believe that dreams are a function more than just being a product of the REM sleep cycle. But if you've ever awakened and realized that something you dreamed about helped you see a problem more clearly or gave you some ideas that you hadn't had previously, then you've had a creative dream. Nightmares, of course, are often very common in anyone with a diagnosis of PTSD or a history of trauma of any kind. Children are known to have nightmares and even what are termed night terrors between the ages of three and six, but most children grow out of them. A night terror happens when a child is having a nightmare but cannot wake up. They occur in non-REM sleep, and a person experiencing a night terror will suddenly begin to show signs of panic and terror while sleeping, such as screaming, flailing, or kicking. This is usually accompanied by other symptoms like rapid heart rate and breathing, flushing of the skin, sweating, tensing of the muscles, and dilation of the pupils. So, night terrors can be very frightening. Adults can have them, but they are much more of a part of childhood, although I have had a handful of people with night terrors. And actually, hypnosis has really helped them. But WebMD would remind us that nightmares can be caused by a lot of things, like late-night snacks, which can increase metabolism, signal the brain to be more active, a medication can contribute to nightmare frequency, antidepressants and narcotics especially are often associated with nightmares, non-psychological medications, including some blood pressure medications, can also cause nightmares. You can have withdrawal from medications and substances. You can have sleep deprival. Just plain old anxiety and depression can cause adult nightmares. And also, nightmares can be found if you have sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome. Interesting. So many causes. And they can make your life miserable. So I think really trying either normal talk therapy or someone who's well-trained in hypnosis could help you with those nightmares. Number six is lucid dreams. This is one of the most interesting and potentially fun types of dreams where the dreamer is aware that he or she is dreaming while the dream is taking place. You sort of can look at yourself objectively and realize, hey, I'm dreaming, but I also can sort of watch myself dream. Frequently, even lucid dreaming allows the dreamer to control his or her actions. I had a woman tell me years ago that she would invite herself before she went to bed to have a frightening dream that she had all the time. This was one where she was always being chased. But she asked herself to have a different ending to that dream. And sure enough, one night, instead of continuing to run, she turned around in her dream because she told herself to and waited to see who or what was chasing her. And guess what? It was someone handing her a piece of paper. Her relief was astounding. So if you have the ability to engage in lucid dreaming, it can actually be very, very helpful for you. And I've given that as an assignment to at least try it. 
for people who say, oh, I couldn't do that. Just give it a whirl. You may have to practice, but it's an interesting thing to do. Number seven is supernatural dreams. Perhaps the most striking and memorable type of dreaming are these dreams. They tend to happen rarely for most people, but when they do, the experience can be very unique and special, and the dream is readily remembered months or even years later. The different subtypes of these are premonition dreams, where you have a vision of a future event which later becomes true, telepathic dreams, where you receive information about something that you don't know in your own conscious mind. It's kind of interesting. As a therapist, I've had some telepathic experiences. For example, I'll be sitting across from someone when I used to do that, and they would be about to tell me the name of someone, and I would know the name already. And I really think that has something to do with the energy in the therapy room. It's happened to me several times that I know what someone's going to say. Whether that's telepathy or not, I don't know, but it's happened enough to get my attention. Shared dreams are communion dreams when different people have the same dream at approximately the same time. I've had this happen with twins frequently. The fourth one are visitation dreams. These are dreams in which a deceased family friend or romantic partner or pet appear. These often can feel very, very life-changing, very comforting. I had one myself about four years after my parents died. They were appeared sort of in an orchard, and they looked very happy. And I was trying to approach, and my dad looked out and said, No, you can't come yet. And then the dream ended. But I found that the next morning I could still think of it with tears coming to my eyes. Not really sad tears, though, very good tears. So perhaps you've had these visitation dreams. One of the things that Stephen Nee did not talk about were recurrent dreams. And I've included a YouTube video that does talk about those. Again, you have to believe that they have some meaning, but it's always fascinating to me when someone tells me about a recurring dream that either is always the same or changes very slowly over time. I've had two recurring dreams in my lifetime. I remember them vividly. They aren't pleasant, so I won't necessarily say what they are. One was about someone wishing me harm, and another was about me not being able to talk or find my voice. So, you know, those dreams can be something that you can really look at and try to interpret. They probably are metaphorical as well, meaning they're using those images to help guide you to see other things in your life more consciously. But if you believe that's hogwash, then I get it, but it is something to consider. So next we're going to talk about some very common themes in dreams, but first, here's a message from our very kind sponsor, BetterHelp, who has an idea and an offer for you. BetterHelp has now been a sponsor of Self Work for a few months, and I've been hearing how pleased you are with their services. I couldn't be more excited about that, as by now you know I'm a huge believer myself in the power of therapy. What is BetterHelp? It's an online therapy service that has earned the number one ranking for the quality of their service to their consumers. When you contact them, you are offered several different licensed professional therapists to choose from, all that have been vetted by BetterHelp. You can have sessions via video, text, or phone. And I found, because of course I checked it out before recommending it to you, that each therapist was very available, literally a text away and made some of the same therapeutic suggestions to me that I'd offer myself as a therapist. Here's an excerpt from a listener who wrote in, 
I'm a 23-year-old living in Brazil. I'm only writing this message in order to express my gratitude towards you and your podcast. Having anxiety disorder, I always felt like I needed therapy, but I was too anxious to start it. With self-work, not only I've learned some valuable insights about dealing with my condition, but also the basics of how therapy sessions work, which allowed me to finally get some courage to start it. With the coronavirus pandemic, I'd also been concerned about attending personal sessions, but then I learned about better help in your podcast, and it sounded just perfect for what I needed. I've been getting online counseling from BetterHelp for six weeks now, and I feel like it's been helping me a lot. That's just so wonderful to hear. And now, BetterHelp has a special offer for you. 10% off the first month of sessions if you use this link. Trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork. I'm never more honored than hearing someone sought therapy after listening to selfwork. And if selfwork is helping you, maybe BetterHelp is your next step. Okay, we're going to go through six, seven, eight of the most common dreams. I got this from Very Well Mind, and the entire link will be in your show notes. What are the most common themes in dreams? First, dreams about falling. Falling from a great height, actually. And of course, they point out that there's some kind of myth that if you actually fall to the ground and hit the ground, you'll die in real life. That's has never been proven but certainly it seems to suggest that that thing might mean that you've lost control or something or you feel very insecure or unsafe. Dreams about being naked in public. Oh, wow. Have I ever heard this? A lot. And I have to admit, I've had them myself. Mostly I'm not totally naked, but there is usually a part of me that's exposed. It's not unusual at all. This dream can also be tied to what's called imposter syndrome, feelings if someone is going to figure out that you're a fake or something like that. Or it could be about fears, about people seeing your vulnerabilities. It's interesting to think about what it could be. Dreams about being chased. Again, we've already mentioned one of these. These can be particularly terrifying. And they're also very common. They're interpretations galore. If you Google it, you'll find them. For example, if you're being chased by an animal, maybe you're hiding anger. If it's a real person or even someone unknown, it could be symbolic of abuse. But these are very common in people with trauma. Now, this is an interesting one. I've never had this one, although I did have those nightmares about not being able to find my voice or not being able to speak. Dreams about losing your teeth. Penny Pearson, who's the author of Dream Dictionary for Dummies, says this can have multiple meanings. Maybe you're worried about your attractiveness or appearance, but it also could indicate that you're concerned about your ability to communicate, or that you might have said something embarrassing. Teeth are supposed to bite through, cut, tear, grind, she explains. If your teeth fall out, you lose personal power and your ability to be assertive, decisive, and self-protective. Very interesting. Again, if that's associated with a trip to the dentist, maybe it doesn't mean all that. But again, it's a fairly common dream, I guess. Here's another. Dreams about dying. It's another common subject of dreams, but one that can really be difficult to kind of embrace. Dreamers sometimes dream of a death of a loved one or even of their own death. Perhaps this reflects an anxiety about change or fear of the unknown. Maybe you're facing empty nest or you fear your children leaving. You might dream about them dying instead. Also, 
this was interesting in the Very Well Mind article, and they said that those approaching the end of their life and their loved ones around them can often experience dreams about dying. But they often relate to a comforting presence, preparing to go, watching or engaging with the person who's sick or waiting to die. And they can also be about what's called unfinished business, like it can be almost one of those dreams that points you in a certain direction. Now we'll have three more. This one I hear again all the time from my patients. Actually, as much school as I've been in, I don't have this very often, but it's dreams about taking a test. Maybe you're taking a test or you're being late for one, not knowing any of the answers or not having enough time. And it could be a day residue dream if you're in school or about to go up for a promotion, but it also could easily symbolize feeling evaluated or a fear of failure. I do often dream that I will like be in a play or something and I won't know my lines. It's kind of a similar dream. There are dreams about infidelity, interestingly enough. I mentioned before about dreaming about your own ex and what that can mean rather than some kind of longing for them. Very Well Mind says that some people dream about their partner having an interest or flirting or even having sex with someone else. And this can perhaps be about actual fears or a sense of foreboding, but perhaps it indicates that they're just trust issues. What I'd recommend is to pay attention to that, but also not take it literally unless you discover evidence of some kind of disrespect or manipulation or gaslighting. And the last one is dreams about flying. I've done this. For me, the experience was really exhilarating. I've never had a frightening dream about flying, but I know they exist. The ones that aren't frightening can represent feelings of being free and independent or a desire to flee or escape from the realities. But also, when it's scary for you, you may be trying to escape from something that's really horrible. This article says, according to Tony Crisp, author of Dream Dictionary, Flying alone occurs most frequently, he writes, showing the independent aspect of flying. But because it often involves positive feelings of pleasure, flying may depict our sexuality. Interesting. Especially aspects of it expressing freedom from social norms and restraints. Whatever your feelings or beliefs are about your dreams, I always advise my patients to keep a pen and piece of paper. Don't use your phone because the light might wake you up so much you can't fall back asleep. And try to wake yourself after a dream that you want to remember and then jot a few words down to help remind you. I found this one more thing that's very fascinating. Remember, there doesn't seem to be very good research about dreams, but I think some folks are really trying to change that. And I found this article from MIT, which of course is a incredibly good school and research institute. So I'm going to quote from their study. Previous neuroscience studies from researchers such as sleep and cognitive science show that hypnagogia, the earliest sleep stage, is similar to the REM stage in terms of brainwaves and experience. However, unlike REM, individuals can still hear audio during hypnagogia while they dream. I had to think of this sort of as when you're just beginning to fall asleep and you feel like, am I dreaming? Am I not dreaming? And then you realize you can still hear things in the room. That must be hypnagogia. This researcher states, this state of mind is trippy, loose, flexible, and divergent. It's like turning the notch up high on mind-wandering and making it immersive, being pushed and pulled with new sensations like your body floating and falling, with your thoughts quickly snapping in and out of control. 
And so I'm not going to read any more of this, but basically what they do is then they use audio sounds during this phase of sleep called hypnagogia in order to influence what this person dreams about. It's fascinating research, I think, and I've got the link if you really want to learn more about it. So who knows what else we're going to learn from dreaming, but I hope this is helpful to you to begin to understand your own dreams. Our listener email is from a woman with multiple traumas. Here she is. Hello, Dr. Margaret. My name is Mara. I am 30 years old. I have had so many traumas in my life from being molested when I was very young, three different times by three different people, to bad relationships, to seeing my mother get hit by a car and killed right in front of me. She was my best friend, but basically I would like to know if all this damage can simply destroy a person. I am always at my low. The older I get, the harder these emotions, these feelings become, the more I'm at a tipping point. I am trying to change my diet, seeking clean foods. I'm trying to find podcasts on depression. I am trying to fix myself in any way I physically can. I'm just hoping it is not too late to fix myself. I don't want to be insecure for the rest of my life, and I do believe these damages have permanently made me insecure. Thank you for hearing me out. I'm sorry to throw so much at you. I just would like some advice and tips on what I can do for myself to help heal myself. That's all I would like to know. Thank you for taking your time to hear me out. Bye. First, I want to say that I'm so sorry all of that has happened to you. My major thought is therapy with someone who's been trained in trauma work, such as an EMDR specialist, is what you really need. You've had so much trauma, you'd likely earn a diagnosis of what's called CPTSD, chronic or complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And that can be very different from simple PTSD, which is no walk in the park, believe me. I've included a link on CPTSD in the show notes for those of you who are curious or might find yourself in this group. Basically, someone with CPTSD can get triggered so quickly and so often that any progress can feel impossible. It's not, but it's not easy by any means, and you have to go very slowly. Your sense of insecurity that you describe is absolutely normal given what you've experienced. Your world wasn't safe. Your mom was brutally taken away from you. All of that is tremendous trauma. So if you can do therapy, then that would be best. Of course, medications can help you tolerate what you may find when you open yourself more to the pain of what happened. But again, a supportive professional guide is really vital here. There are books such as Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score for Abuse. There is a book called Motherless Daughters, which might cover maternal death. But seeing her die, that can be a memory that constantly intrudes upon you. At the least, I'd go to a psychiatrist, not simply a local doc, and talk to them about what you're experiencing. They may know therapists in the area that could help. It's amazing what talking about it can do and sharing it with someone who has the training to sit in that pain with you. I saw someone last year in our community that had gone through one of the most gruesome experiences I'd ever heard about as she was my patient years ago. I remembered her as soon as I saw her. She came up to me and asked if I did, and I said, of course. She went on to tell me how she'd continue to work through her pain and trauma. It took years, but she trudged through, and you can, 
as well. I want to thank all of you for being here at Self Work today. I know that we're coming up on a holiday season that will be very, very different for most of us. I've advised a lot of my newsletter readers, and I have it on Facebook as well, to try to build something that feels normal in your day-to-day life, because normal can bring us comfort. Anything from your old slippers that you pull on and they're all torn up, but you just love them, to, of course, a puppy or a kitten or just smelling chili on the stovetop, please try to identify and absorb those things that help you feel more stable and more secure in all these changing times. Thank you to all of those of you who've left me ratings and reviews. They keep on coming in, and I am so honored that you do that. Whether it's for the book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, and you write on Amazon, or if you are supporting this podcast and a particular episode of self-work or the episodes in general. The written reviews are incredible for both. So my imminent gratitude to you. You can reach me at drmargaretrutherford.com on my website and subscribe there. That's a really easy way of keeping up with the podcast and the blog post if that interests you. And also I give you a little weekly message, just what's up. You also can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I'm available to speak to your group, whatever it is, a rotary, a book club. Just contact me at Ask Dr. Margaret, and we will work something out via Zoom. Thank you all for being here today. My closed Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash self-work. So come join me if you need some support. Take very, very good care and stay safe. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.